Hallelujah. George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, Yvette Smith, Philando Castile, Freddie Gray, Trayvon Martin. These are just a few of the countless people of color who paid the ultimate price for existing. For simply existing, they paid the price for living while black. And as I think about the litany of names that have experienced racialized violence over the centuries, one name that especially touches my heart is that of Emmett Till. Emmett Till was only 14 years old when he was killed in Mississippi in 1955 after being accused of offending a white woman in her family's grocery store. An account that that woman later admitted that she fabricated. And it touches my heart because that young man was the same age as my son Samuel. And his life was cut short because someone failed to see the image of God stamped inside of him. Oh, they only saw the color of his skin. And maybe you're wondering to yourself, oh, Pastor Enid, what, what does this have to do with us? Beloved, I believe it has everything to do with us. See, as the church of Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility to discuss the context. We have a responsibility to wrestle with the modern issues of the day, to bring them before the cross of Jesus Christ and figure out how we're going to respond as his church. And so I just want you to prepare yourself because it's going to be that kind of sermon today. This past Sunday, many remember that we celebrated Pentecost Sunday, oh, the birth of the modern church. And Acts chapter 2 verse 4 tells us that all that were present that day were filled with the Holy Spirit. They each received a powerful new infusion from the Lord. And it was quite a sight as we read the biblical narrative. Fire came down and descended upon them. And the folks that were there spoke in tongues. And it was a beautiful display of God's power. And as wonderful as that was, sadly, many believers stop right there. As if God poured out his spirit for that one exclusive purpose. As if that's the one and only display of God's spirit at work. But I believe, brothers and sisters, there's so much more for us today. And so the title of today's message is Infused by Power infused by power based on the text in Acts 4 verses 1 through 10. And so get your Bibles ready because we're going to be going through those verses in just a little bit. And while you get that ready, I, I want to just let you in on a little secret if that's okay. See, you may not be aware that every year 
the pastoral team does a secret Santa amongst ourselves. Yes, we give each other gifts that you guys don't know about. <laughs> and what we do is we set a price cap and each of us makes a list of about three ideas from, for whoever chooses their name. And some of us list more than three because we want to give people options. <laughs> and so this year, Pastor Mark actually pulled my name and he gifted me this beautiful water infuser. Look at how beautiful, right? And so the way that it works, if you guys are not users of water infusers, what it is is that inside it has this little compartment where you place the fruit. And through osmosis, the nutrients and antioxidants from that fruit are transferred from the fruit into the water. And so you can put cucumbers in there and strawberries, lime, whatever combination. It's like making your own personal vitamin water without the sugar and the calories. And it's interesting because as I thought about that today, I realized that an infuser remains the same on the outside. But there's something that's placed inside of it that changes what comes out of it. And as believers, I believe this works in our context as well. See, there's something valuable that has been placed inside of us that should change what exudes out of us. Something that should change the way we see and the way that we react to these turbulent times in which we live. And so I, I need you to understand that even in the midst of these dark times, of these chaotic times, the church needs to rise afresh with new power, not by our own strength, but by the power of a spiritual infusion we have received through the spirit of the living God. And so for the next few moments, I'd like to take a look at how this unfolded in the early days of the church. So journey with me for the next few moments. After Pentecost, we see Peter doing just what Jesus had instructed them to do. He's out there making disciples. He leaves the upper room and preaches his first sermon. And we know that thousands come to the faith. But then in Acts chapter 4, something very peculiar happens. And so we're going to read starting in verse number 1, Acts 4, starting in verse number 1. And the word of the Lord reads as such. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. And so we see here Peter and John are taken um, into custody. They're locked up until the next day. And the following morning, they're brought before the high priest in order to be questioned. Now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter is able to discern the underlying issue at hand. And he addresses it starting in verse number 8, which says, Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, 
If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. My goodness, what a, what a bold display by Peter. And we notice here that he's not speaking in tongues. He's speaking in his native tongue, but there's no doubt that he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And in that capacity, we see that he does something very bold. He courageously stands up for someone who did not have a voice and he speaks truth to power. And this, this right here is the true power of Pentecost. See, the infilling that the disciples received in the upper room transformed them into a powerful movement of believers with a bold new mission. The liberation of God's people. First, there was spiritual liberation. They were to offer the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ to all people. So whether young or old, whether rich or poor, whether Jew or Gentile, they would all be given the opportunity for eternal life. Oh, and the church has grabbed a hold of that part of the mission and we've rocked it like nobody's business. <laughs> but then there's a second part of the assignment. It's that nexus point between the great commandment and the great commission. It's the part of Jesus' prayer on the Sermon on the Mount that we often gloss over. Where he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, I believe, brothers and sisters, that we are called to establish God's kingdom here on earth. And we've been infused with the power of the Holy Spirit to help us accomplish this. So as the church, we have to fight both the fallen nature of humanity through salvation and the fallen nature of the world through social justice. Yes, we have to do both but in order to do that we have to be bold enough we have to be courageous enough we have to be audacious enough to stand up to systems to beliefs to ideologies that have kept people in oppression now I realize that this may be controversial for some of you, but if this wasn't the case, if this wasn't part of God's assignment to us, why else would he even bother to heal the lame? Why else would he go to the trouble of curing the blind, of asking us to care for the widow and the orphan and the stranger? Why else would God have moved to liberate the people from Egyptian oppression or liberate them from Babylonian exile why else unless God deeply cared about the liberation of his people here on earth and so I believe brothers and sisters that we've been given this power so that we can pursue God's mission with power oh and we have to be careful 
Oh, we have to be careful because if we reduce the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to only speaking in tongues amongst ourselves in the temple, we have committed an act of violence against God himself. See, the power of Pentecost is not meant to be contained here in the temple. It's not for our own vain uses, but it's meant for the liberation of God's people. And we see that in the fruit of the early church. See, through the power of Pentecost, brothers and sisters, the early church dismantled unjust economic systems as they all shared their possessions and did life together. The early church disrupted entrenched systems of racial discrimination by making the gift of the gospel available to all people. Oh, and so they leveled the playing field. The early church devastated systems of gender discrimination by empowering female apostles and female church planters. At heart, the early church were disruptors. And so today, brothers and sisters, as believers infused by the power of the Holy Spirit, we cannot be one-sided about our mission as if there's a contradiction between the gospel and the fight for justice. We need to understand that at the heart, the gospel of Jesus Christ is a work of liberation on both spiritual and social realms. Oh, that is the true purpose of the power we've been given through the Holy Spirit to serve as God, God's agents of change here on earth. And so today, today I want to challenge us to look again at the infusion of power released through the Holy Spirit and its practical implications for us today. The first thing I want us to keep in mind is that when we're infused with the Holy Spirit, our vision changes. Yes, it does. See, I wonder how many people walked by that lame man without even seeing him. As he was there every day begging and hoping to get some sympathy from those that were going into the temple courts. And yet Peter and John stopped for him. They healed him and then they tackled the system that had ignored his cries. And so I ask, how are we as a people, how are we as a church seeing the unrest in our nation today? One writer that I encountered noted that when it comes to the issue of racism, many people move through a racialized world with an unracialized identity. Oh, some people have the privilege of saying that they don't see color because they've had the option not to see it. And so some of us may not understand what so many people are out there protesting about because they don't see it as a problem. It hasn't impacted them personally. But I believe the key for us today is a fresh vision, a fresh vision that comes through that infusion of the Holy Spirit. It's looking beyond what impacts us personally and seeing the pain of the other as my pain, as our pain. 
And so I, I want to bring to you some different layers of this issue that perhaps you have not considered. Consider perhaps the impact of environmental racism. These patterns that link racism to pollution and poverty, it's, it's the disproportionate impact of those two factors on people of color. And in the last 90 days, we've seen this play out real time as people of color have contracted COVID-19 at higher rates than their white counterparts. Why? Because of underlying health conditions from environmental racism. Because they're the ones on the front lines as the essential workers. And so they're being exposed to this environment of, of, of disease at higher levels than their counterparts. So consider the impact of environmental racism. Consider for a moment the impact of spatial racism. This is where urban planning patterns have allowed the affluent to live in racially and economically segregated suburbs while people of color are isolated in deteriorating areas of the city. And if you don't know what this is like, I invite you to speak to someone who lives in the New York City housing projects, many of which are deteriorating and people are left vulnerable at higher rates than their white counterparts. Consider for a moment the impact of institutional racism, places where uh, uh, racism is subversive and deeply entrenched into the culture of that organization, places where people of color have disadvantages in hiring or disadvantages in promotion, places that lack cultural sensitivity and awareness. Consider for a moment the impact of that on someone. And then also, brothers and sisters, we have to consider the impact of racism on the individual, whether or not we've ever been a victim of it. I believe that as a church, we need to emphatically and vicariously denounce racial discrimination and violence because an act of violence on one part of the body is an act of violence against us all. Oh, but beloved, we can't do that if we don't see it, if we don't have the courage to admit that it's there. And so I believe we need a fresh vision in this season. Just like an infusion of fruit into water can help the body detox from harmful bacteria, an infusion of the Holy Spirit should give us eyes to see what needs to be detoxed from the broken systems around us. Oh, so we need a fresh vision. The second thing we need to remember is that when we're infused with the Holy Spirit, there's a boldness that rises within us to speak out. Oh, when Peter was questioned, I'm amazed because he was brought before the highest judicial tribunal that the Jews had. I want you to picture this, brothers and sisters. It was him standing before a council of 71 leaders. Not one person, not two people. There were chief priests there. There were scribes there. There were elders there. People that were well-versed in the law. And yet, he doesn't hedge 
Elijah, he doesn't hesitate. He's unapologetic about healing the lame man in the name of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, it's an incredibly bold move before this powerful council of leaders. But it was made possible by this infilling of the Holy Spirit working inside of him. Now, in the natural, I'll be very honest with you, it's not an easy thing to speak out. Anyone that has any level of influence knows this. When people follow you, you bear both the respect and the criticism of those that follow you. And when you speak out on any issue, you make yourself vulnerable to both. So any responsible leader counts the cost. I have the privilege and honor of serving on the executive board of an organization called the National Latino Evangelical Coalition. We represent over 3,000 Hispanic evangelical congregations around the nation. And our senior pastor, Dr. Mark Rivera, actually helped found that organization many moons ago. And so yesterday afternoon, I had the opportunity to consult on a statement that was sent out condemning the injustice around the Floyd killing and calling for broader racial justice. Oh, but before it was sent out to the press outlets, I want you to know that a number of us combed through it carefully to think through the potential implications. Every word, every name had to be thought through to make sure that we were protecting ourselves and the organization. Because the reality is when you speak out, you become a target. And we saw this even with the great Dr. Martin Luther King, right? He was assaulted. He, he had his phone tapped by the FBI. He had obscene calls made to his wife. He had his home bombed. Yet nothing could deny the anointing of that man as he spoke. And it wasn't because he was just a brilliant orator. But as a Baptist preacher, there was a boldness. There was a confidence that would rise up inside of him because of the infusion of the Holy Spirit working in him. And so we need to understand that when we speak on our own, fear can paralyze us. Yes, we have to be calculated and we have to be careful. But when we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, my goodness, there's a boldness that rises from within us that breaks through the fear. You know what to say. You know how to say it because they're not your words. They're the words of the Lord flowing in and through you. Oh, so when we're infused with the Holy Spirit, there's a a boldness that bubbles up inside of us that allows us to speak out. And then finally, brothers and sisters, when we're infused with the Holy Spirit, we get to a place where we cannot turn our back on injustice. See, that the Holy Spirit is that fire that burns within us as we see humanity suffering. It's the lament of a shepherd hurting for his wounded sheep. It's even the righteous anger you may sometimes feel when witnessing the most grievous acts of injustice. And I want you to know today, if you felt that fire in your belly, you can't ignore that. 
Oh, you won't be able to sleep. You won't be able to eat. You can't walk by the situation without doing something. And so if that's you today, if you're feeling that burning in your belly, I want you to find a healthy way to channel that. Because that's the Holy Spirit's fire uh, burning up within you. Oh, and so during these times... I encourage you, if you feel that, learn more about the issue of systemic racism. Oh, there's so many wonderful documentaries on on Netflix that shed light on this issue. So many wonderful podcasts. So many writers that have talked about the historical impact of systemic racism. And so I encourage you, use this time to educate yourself about the issue. Listen firsthand to the stories of those that have faced injustice. It's one thing to see names on a screen. It's another thing to feel the pain of someone you love that has experienced an act of violence because of the color of their skin. Donate to reputable organizations working in this area. There's so many out there, and if you can physically get outside help fund and support those that are fighting the good fight. I want you guys to vote. Vote for laws and and leaders that uphold God's heart for justice. And we're not going to tell you who to vote for. We're not going to point out one political party over the other. Look for the leader that has God's heart for justice. Not just in word, but in actions. Oh, there's some actions that I saw this week by some of our political leaders that left me deeply troubled. So it's not about words. It's not about photos. It's about fruit, brothers and sisters. What is the fruit you're seeing coming from that leader? So let's get out there and vote for laws and leaders that are consistent with God's heart for justice. And finally, stand up when you see racism, even in the smallest way. I believe that if each one of us stood up for at least one person, one person facing injustice, our world would look totally different. How would that Floyd video have looked if someone stood up? If someone intervened, if someone moved on behalf of that young man. So don't uh, look past opportunities for you to use your voice, for you to stand in the gap, for you to advocate for someone who's experiencing racialized violence. Oh, and if you track the ministry journey of Jesus, he modeled this for us while on earth Jesus consistently listened to and sided with the oppressed, the marginalized, the forgotten. Oh, he flipped tables as he fiercely demanded reform and he ultimately breathed his last breath at the hands of a corrupt empire. Oh, the ultimate act of resistance against injustice. And so once you and I reconcile our identity at the cross, we realize that we can't turn our back on the pain of others because Jesus didn't turn his back on ours. And when we realize that, oh, when we internalize that, 
social justice becomes biblical justice and we fully embrace our moral responsibility as a church. And so today, brothers and sisters, I want to challenge you. You and I have a very real choice to make during these turbulent times. We can allow the names that we heard at the beginning of this service to be faint memories in our minds. Or we can walk as a people who have been infused by the power of the Holy Spirit, walk with a refreshed vision, walk with new boldness and a deep conviction for justice so that we can no longer turn our back on acts of racialized violence. This is our issue as a family. It's not their issue. This is our issue as a family, and we have to tackle it together. See, I believe, brothers and sisters, that fueled by the compassion of Christ, fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us, we have to be the leading voices on issues of injustice. We have to protect the vulnerable. We have to fight for those that are oppressed. And we have to walk alongside the wounded and point them back, not to us, not to a building, but to the one who heals, the one who restores, the one who redeems, and the one who will move on their behalf oh the situation has not been lost we serve a God that is passionate about justice could we rise up and fulfill our mission as a church to liberate people spiritually from the yoke of sin and liberate them from the oppression that they experience here on earth oh it's time for us to reassume our prophetic posture as a church. We cannot be silent. We cannot be absent. We have to arise anew in this season, infused by the power of the Holy Spirit, taking the power of Pentecost outside of the temple and deploying it on the streets, in our communities, in our city, and all across the nation for the glory of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come before you first and foremost, declaring you Lord. We thank you, God, that in our times of pain, you've never turned your back on us. And so right now, we take this challenge very seriously, my God, that you've challenged us not to turn our back on the suffering of our brother and sister. Oh, we see the uprising in our nation, Lord. Those that are trying to shine a light on racialized violence, on systemic injustice. And we declare, my God, that we will not be silent. We will not be absent. Oh, Father, through an infilling of your Holy Spirit, we will follow the model of the early church. And we will speak truth to power. Oh, Father, we will advocate for those that are suffering and those that are oppressed. We will lift our voices advocating for your justice here on earth. We pray once again, Father, that you continue to heal our cities. But even more so, Lord, heal our nation. 
from the sin of racism, Lord. A sin that is so deeply entrenched in our history as a nation, so deeply entrenched is our, in our journey as people, my God, that sometimes we, we don't even know where to get started, Lord. But today, we commit to allowing it to start with us. So empower us, Father, to have fresh vision and to look at the world with fresh eyes, to look at the pain of our African-American brothers and sisters with fresh eyes, that it not be their problem, but our problem as a family. I pray, my God that you continue to give us the boldness to speak out not with our own thoughts not with our own ideas not in our own strength but use us as your mouthpieces Lord that we be the prophetic voice that you need us to be during these times that we be a people that call on the nation for healing that declare restoration that declare your peace in the name of Jesus but that we are also bold enough to confront the systems that have kept people oppressed, the systems that have ignored the cries of your sons and your daughters, the way that we see your people do over and over again in the pages of Scripture. And finally, my God, send us out as your agents of change all throughout this nation, my God, that wherever we go, we are your undercover officers working for biblical justice, working, Father, for, for a, a, a change, Lord, in every environment you place us in. Thank you, my God, for this opportunity, Lord, to remember once again your passion for justice. And we repent, Lord, for those times that we haven't seen, those times that we haven't heard, those times that we've walked by, those that are suffering because it didn't impact us directly. Right now, there's a new passion being stirred up inside of your people. There's a new determination being stirred up inside. There's new empathy, Father. There's a new lament for the pain that we're seeing. And so we thank you, my God, that all of these things will happen because of the power that was released at Pentecost, because of the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us for the restoration of your people. So we give you the glory. We give you the honor. And we thank you, Lord, that where you're taking us as a people is a place of hope. Where you're taking us as a people is a place of strength. Where you're taking us as a people is where your presence will dwell. So we thank you. We glorify you today in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.